Hello everybody, and welcome to episode 61 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, is Yakuza 0 the most Japan game? Palmer Lucky has been located on the unemployment line. We better start hoarding our music peripherals. And a book club that looks at a game that made childhoods and ruined friendships, it's Mario Kart 64. Let's do this. This is episode 61 of Link to the Cast. I am your party host, Dave Ryan, joined uh, beside me on the couch here, as I am every week, by the sleepy platforming prodigy that is Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you? I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit tired. It's been a week. Um, I've now been up past at the, at the, the minimum. I've been up to at least three o'clock for the last three nights running on a school night no less and then being getting up at you know whatever time in the morning you've had a week so. where you have the the average uh you have the the in terms of hours the average work week experience but you've added to that there's been some stuff watched over the last week that, yeah that we're and it was to. great about 10 years ago where i could live on four hours sleep uh-huh. every weekend uh-huh. um boy boy i can feel it these days it's no it's no good <laughs> Yeah, I've been doing well. What we're talking about here is that, like, uh, over the weekend, the the past weekend, it was WrestleMania week. If, yes. if you've seen the uh, the WrestleMania preview shows we did on the site uh, last week and the week before, um, you you'll know that. And uh, we pretty much watched a whole lot of content. Uh, WWE by itself was responsible for, let me think, uh, four hours Hall of Fame plus two hours NXT. That's six plus seven hours of um wrestlemania would it be fair to so say that's 13 hours what, plus five yeah. hours of first run tv this week so i've been, I've watched 18 hours of wwe and you, since friday Toro five live as well so there's another hour uh would it be fair mm. to say an excessive amount of television and content indeed um it's the time of year where i, I love to watch the graphs because it's wrestling christmas but it really burns me out um yeah and we're not going to get too deep into it on this show because we are within the next week uh, with some sort of cast of characters going to have um, a WrestleMania wrap-up show or a grap-up, if you will. Um, so that that's where all our hot takes will be. But, yes, indeed. Yeah, okay, uh, but uh, kind of the whole weekend, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle? Um, see, now, th- I, I, I couldn't get into the, the the kind of fevered pitch sort of uh, emotion that you know most wrestling fans get mm-hmm. because um, I didn't really get to see much of the wrestling live other than Mania. You um, saw you saw Mania live. You I wa- saw bits of Raw and SmackDown live as well, didn't you? Yeah, uh, uh, I had to watch NXT the the next day um, mm-hmm. and like bits of Evolve as well. Um, but overall, uh, so. Last year's Mania really burnt me out, like, mm-hmm. really, really badly. Yeah. Uh, just the combination of how long that show was and how bad it was. I think if we had been there this time around, we would have had a, a fucking great week. I, yeah, sure. I, I def- we, And we did have a fucking great week last week. It was just that oh, sure. show. That yeah. show stunk. Absolutely. Because uh, we were all made up for it the next night. Yeah. Um, and smacked our NXT two nights yeah, before. Yeah, sure. But I thought... Mania itself was uh, a a solid show. Yeah. Nothing overly spectacular, like nothing that 
will top say if you wanted to make a top 10 uh wrestlemania matches of all time no, nothing over about four stars if you're going to use a star rating system i think no I, even I, there's a there's a couple that would be touching that like the ladder match and sure in a weird way the shane and aj matches yeah well. sure yeah, but yeah. like the, the the ladder match had other elements going on with mm-hmm. it that added to the 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 star rating. it was wonderful rating. it was <laughs> ah. hey. um yeah shane and aj was what i figured it would be which yeah. was um, a bit of a train wreck, very much like suspending your disbelief to yeah. to breaking point at certain points. Yeah. Um, but a spectacle. But a spectacle. Yeah, and, and and just as a show, as you're saying, a thumbs up, not strong thumbs up, but a thumbs up. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. As far as seven hours of first run, like if we had had to watch last year's show again this year, I don't know if I would have made it to the end. Yeah. Now, so I will say that, and this isn't going to happen, but I do wish we would just have. Three-hour pay-per-views, and then Mania and SummerSlam, and maybe Survivor Series and Rumble, whatever. But they would be four, four hours on the dot, and, and no more because yeah. it's just too much. Um, but yeah, I, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, right? Goldberg and Brock Lesnar, they sure yeah. as hell redeemed themselves for that Mania Twenty yeah. match. But we, we, we'll have more thoughts on that uh, over the week on the on the Grap Up Show, sure. um, as I'm now definitely calling it. Okay. But uh, yeah, thumbs up. It was, it was fun. But like, yeah, we're certainly feeling the effects of it this week. I think. Um, like I, I certainly uh, to keep myself awake for those seven hours because it got touch and go at times, and then to keep myself awake for three hours of Raw the following night, I. I, I a copious amount of Pepsi was consumed <laughs> to the point where yesterday morning well, I went like should we say cold turkey where I was like I have had enough caffeinated beverages uh, this weekend I'm going to not have any just drink water for the day and boy howdy the headache I had for most of yesterday yeah. was unreal see I um, kind of make it rule upon myself that I won't drink more than like one cup of coffee and one cup of tea per day because mm-hmm. I know what it'll do to me mm-hmm. um and it's it's no good. Yeah. Um, but I I went into work on Monday uh, on about three four hours sleep, and I I did feel like I was hungover. Like yeah. I don't know if you get that when you're so I did, tired. I, I, I after big uh, like I I say it to Brony all the time when he's down for the pay per views. After a really late pay per view, if I wake up at like because I'll usually still try to wake up if I don't ha- if I don't have work or anything, I'll try to wake up by at the latest eleven o'clock. Sure. So that my sleep pattern isn't entirely fucked. Uh, and I will, like you said, I will feel like, oh, why didn't I have beer? I may as well have. Yeah, and I tell you what, right, because a lot of people, when they're really, really tired, get very grumpy. And I managed to contain enough self-awareness to know that I am tired, so I need to make sure I'm not grumpy. But I'm very, very quiet. And I just simply say to people, I've kind of said most of the time anyway, so please just keep whatever conversation you need to be with me to a minimum, because A, I can barely talk right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I need to focus on what I'm doing yeah. at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah, but a good weekend. Yeah, uh, sure. Glad it's over. <laughs> like, glad we've survived it. Um, like, I'm still not overly convinced lot... that I would want to go to Mania again. I To me, it's that the two rules are, um, if the city is right... And if the timing is right, sure, well, yeah, because you, I don't think, teacher, yeah, so. when the when the travel packages and stuff come out, when you really got to be booking it, you you can say all you want that oh, if the matches are right, but by the time most of the matches are set in stone, it's too late. You no, know, uh, the, you you have to make it's a shame, but you have to make the decision a, a two full months yeah, before you, anything you, gets firmly rooted. You can never want to go to Mania on, on the backing of what matches they'll be because yeah. you might know the one like, yeah, we're, we're pretty you confident. can have a fair idea where a couple are going we're pretty confident we're getting Brock and yeah. Roman Reigns yeah, next yeah. year 
Um, but yeah, you, you kind of you got to make that decision beforehand. So the only things you really can do, like so, yeah, if the because uh, usually it's in or around Easter. So if it ever falls when I'll be off for my Easter holidays anyway, so I don't have to take time off at a very important time of the year for students, then I'll go. Uh, or if it's in a cool city that's on my list of American cities yeah. to go. Like, for instance, next year, it's in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. That's tempting to me yeah. because New Orleans is, with my love of blues music and stuff, is a place it's, I've always it's wanted the, to go it's to. It's the wanky thing when someone says to you, like a teenager says, oh, I want to go to the festival for the experience. It kind of does apply here for WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Because like, I've, I've been three times now and mm-hmm. the experience of the week, like, mm-hmm. and certainly with how, like, much bigger it gets every year yeah. and just, like, the amount of shit that was to do yeah. this year was insane. I fucking loved being in Dallas last year. Yeah, it was, it was great. great. It's a really cool city and I would definitely love to go back again. Um, but, like, yeah. Like, Dallas and New York were awesome. Atlanta wasn't so much to do. I imagine, like, from what I heard about WrestleMania 30, New Orleans was, was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that depending on the city... Will will really be the kind of selling point for a lot of people. I, I think that is a legitimate thing. And to be fair, I think I'd rather the, the next time I go, I think I'd be happy just going to SummerSlam for Brooklyn. Mm. You know. Um, the last thing I want to talk before we move on um, and talk about the video games is I have a Dave Ryan recommends this week. Oh, uh, I picked up last week uh, Volume Seven of a graphic novel called oh, Saga. Yeah, I saw by, this was out. Uh, Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples. It's uh, on the Image Comics imprint, which is the best imprint in comics, and I will fight you if you think it's anything else. You can have your Marvels and your DCs. Image is where the real interesting uh, stuff is going. Our one of our favorite comics, The Wicked and Divine, is uh, a real. Uh, hit for image Uh, and Saga is probably the other big heavy hitter the the three I would think I would associate most closely with image uh, nowadays are Wicked and Divine Saga and The Walking Dead those are the three The Walking Dead is the one that would be obvious to anybody that doesn't even read comics because everyone's heard of The Walking Dead yeah but um, Saga is this great kind of um, sci-fi story about love loss war uh, and it's it's very darkly funny as well. It's a it's a very strange little book, um, and has been for now seven volumes. And um, if you're a fan of Saga, if you've, you've started reading it, um, it, this is definitely the standard. Stays up very very high for that series with volume seven, um, in mixing great action, great storytelling, uh, great dialogue, and um various narrative gut punches coming out of nowhere uh, which the series has they, been kind of well known for they do a good cliffhanger they really do and this yeah this this one is no exception um get saga like image comics are much cheaper than marvel and dc um in i don't know what the equivalent is in dollars and pounds but at the moment where a marvel or dc comic will set you back about 20 to 25 euro uh you will get most single volumes of um a trade for image for eleven ninety five. Well, I tell you what, I'm I'm pretty sure from what I've seen, uh, the the British are getting fucked with uh, with yeah. comics right now for yeah, yeah. various reasons. Mm. Um, and actually, I do want to talk about it. It might be an interesting talking point. Oh, next Brexit, week. Some, please. No, no, no. Some uh, some stuff Marvel have been saying about their their comics this last uh, week. Okay. But we're running short on time. But uh, definitely read Saga. Uh, very much. Uh, it is one of the most important books in this generation of comics, I think. And um, it's it's absolutely fantastic. Also, one uh, little tip before we move on here. Uh, if you ever read Saga, it is not a comic book that you will want to bring on the bus. Because it's... Uh, it is it is fantastic, um, 
It's but a sexy ev- comic. Well, it's not like it's not like it's not just dripping with sex every page. Oh, no, no, but no, no. Every volume is good for at least one explicit image that you are going to be very thankful you didn't open in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. For instance, in volume seven, I'm just I'm reading away, enjoying. I'm not going to spoil anything to do with the story here. I'm enjoying the story. Blah blah blah. Turn the page. Big old dick. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, earlier that same day, I had had that book in my bag when I was on the bus, yeah. and I had thought about cracking it out, but I didn't. Yeah. Because. I had read previous volumes and was like, yeah, that, that kind of stuff happens sometimes. Yeah, see, I, uh, I, I, I blitzed through, like, the first six that you had um, mm-hmm. when I moved over here. And yeah. uh, I was I was surprised very quickly on with, uh, like, because Wicked and the Vine has some kind of uh, narrative stuff that's quite uh, graphic at points. Yeah. But nothing there that's kind of overly visual. Uh, where no, no. Saga there's, it, that's more, there's, there's visual gore in it. But, yeah, and uh, a visual, uh, and just the the, the attitude yeah, uh, is yeah. is a little bit more uh, rated off, you will. But mm-hmm. yeah, just here, just yep, there 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 are some tits and fannies and penises all over the place. Indeed. Yeah. And on that note, let's talk about <laughs> some video games playing this week. Hey, check it out! I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy Two. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. What have you been playing this week, my friend? Uh, so I haven't played uh too much. Um, PS Plus has dropped for April, mm-hmm. and so uh, on there there are two games that I, I quickly had a look at. Uh, one is the uh, what's the the drawn drawn to death. See, I was gonna say drawn together, um, mm-hmm. which is a really good cartoon series, which I'm presuming at some point Adult Swim made a game for. Um, but yeah, that uh, drawn to death. Is it's a David Jaffe game. It, I, I'm liking it in terms of the gameplay, but in terms of the writing, it's one of the worst things I've ever actually ever experienced when it comes to video games. Mm. Um, and it's very much into the kind of dude bro territory of, of writing. Um, but that's like a third person shooter. I only spent about 15 minutes with it. Um, yeah, the writing is appalling. Uh, but it looks cool. I, I kind of enjoy it's what it's going for visually. Uh, but the main thing I spent time with was that was the the if you don't know like the the guy who made that David Jaffe is the guy who is you, you're thinking dude bro stuff. Yeah. He do do you recognize the name David Jaffe? Do you know what he's famous for? Not off the top of my head. Uh, the two franchises he is most famous for are Twisted Metal and God of War. That will well God of War not so much dude bro but definitely. Uh, d- well, one-dimensional character, that's for sure. That's true, but there, that's more of just a kind of epic fantasy saga type mm. story. Um, but this is, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, Ten Second Ninja X um, is a kind of re-release or repackaging of Ten Second Ninja, uh, which is a game made a couple of years ago uh, by a guy who I can't remember his full name, but his Twitter handle is Game Design Dan, and. Mm. Uh, Ten Second Ninja X is kind of like uh, bite-sized levels, uh, similar in uh, akin to like a Super Meat Boy, mm-hmm. but where you can take as long as you want to finish a level on Super Meat Boy. Uh, with um, Ten Second Ninja, you have to have it done within ten seconds, and it plays more like uh, a puzzle game at points, but obviously with the platforming. Uh, with the idea that you have these uh, robots, or I, I think I don't know because uh, I've only played two worlds so far. I don't know if the the enemies change, but you have a selection of robots in um, a kind of self-contained area, and you need to uh, eliminate all of them uh, within ten seconds. 
you get three shurikens and you can swipe to your heart's content. If you die, level stops. Uh, so it's that very um, Meat Boy slash Raymond Origins uh, kind of snappiness of if you die, the level starts again and you just keep going. And you get into kind of that that uh, rhythm into a bit of a trance with it. Very much my, the, the kind of game I'm into. Uh, Trials is another good example as well for that kind of thing. Uh, and it's really good, really snappy, really responsive. Um, there's a lot less Hitler in this one, which is, you know, a statement. Um, the original... That's a thing you've said out loud. Yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, the, the original had a whole lot of Hitler going on, so uh, I'm guessing that Curve Digital, who um, they kind of come on board and they'll port uh, indie games, they did that with uh, Thomas Was Alone and... Um, oh, what's the stealth game? Um, damn, it's not coming to me. I'll look it up for you. Uh, stealth, 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 stealth. Stealth Inc. Stealth Inc. Not Stealth Inc., no. It's like a platforming stealth game. Um, but yeah, they'll they'll take those games and they'll port them. So I, I'm presuming they took a look at it and went, look, we really like this, but let's have a look with less Hitler. So uh, it's good. You know, there's a lot more content. Um, I'm going to be spending a lot more time with it. Uh, definitely, um, that'll keep me going for a while. I know some people have been complaining. It was, uh, there was Stealth Bastard. Stealth Bastard, And yep. Stealth Inc. Stealth Inc, which... Stealth, Stealth Inc 2, more specifically. Sure. Oh, I was thinking Invisible Inc, sorry. Yeah, Stealth Inc. Um, originally Stealth Bastard, which, as you can imagine, was changed. So, yeah, there were there have been some people complaining about the PS Plus games for this month. I haven't looked at the other two that are available this month as well. Um, but, like, Ten Second Ninja X is, is genuinely a fun game, and, like, more than happy to have that on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is, I think, certainly going to be very subjective like your kind of personal taste for what you want in a game um like i might be able to look past the 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 really bad writing which i still i still it's so like in your face that i can't work out yet if it's sort of like intentionally if if it's if if it's it's being ironic yeah um but i don't think it is so we'll see with that one uh yeah that's 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 pretty much it for me at the moment so uh, this week, I think I alluded to it last week that I had it and hadn't really cracked into it yet because Zelda. But this week, I kind of made a deliberate attempt to not burn myself out on Zelda. So I actually played a game that wasn't Zelda. Uh, and that game was Yakuza 0, which ah. is one that we talked about a little bit when uh, Kevin Mann was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he kind of... I, I had been on the fence about getting it. I had thought, I, yeah, I'll, I don't think I might get that. And then... Kevin kind of, the way he talked about it and how mad it sounded and the things I'd seen of different Let's Plays made me think, okay, no, I think I will get this. And then, as luck would have it, I found an old GameStop voucher that wasn't yet expired. So that kind of made the decision for me. And now I'm the proud owner of Yakuza 0. Um, Mark, I, I have played this game for several hours now. And I would like to tell you, with any degree of confidence at all, what kind of game this is what genre this fits into it doesn't really fit into a genre um i i don't think it even fits into two or three genres um it's like on its surface it's kind of like a um like a japanese version of the mafia games you know like it's 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 a story about organized crime and all all the themes you expect from these kind of things like redemption and vengeance and things like that like uh, on the face of this guy who is a really low ranking member of the yakuza in the late 1980s in japan 
and um, you are uh, the, the opening cutscene has you kind of beaten on a guy in an empty lot and letting him live just kind of teaching him a lesson by putting a whooping on him then this guy turns up dead um, and the whole thing is he was just a, like he was just a normal civilian he didn't do anything to cross the Yakuza he was just I think he had some loans out so um, they didn't um, they kind of their code of honor says you don't you don't kill civilians for that kind of thing Yeah. so obviously this throws your character into a lot of turmoil with the Yakuza and um you're trying to balance um, the the internal politics of what are, what's happening within this crime family with um, rebuilding your own name and trying to get to the the center of this mystery. At least that's the start of the game. So very uh, much like a, a redemption story. Yeah, that, that's why I kind of compared it to the Mafia because Mafia is that kind of like single minded vengeance trip. But sure. um, well, that's very no pun intended black and white in yeah, its, yeah. its approach where here it sounds yeah because <laughs> like in the first very early on in the first chapter you actually break your oath and, and leave the Yakuza so, so um, what it is is about you kind of rebuilding your place in the world and trying to figure out this guy like you're a guy who was taken in by a Yakuza lieutenant from an orphanage when you were a young age all you ever wanted to do was be in the Yakuza so you're trying to figure out what is your place in the world now and how do I clear my name and all this sort of stuff. Um, so you go down a bunch of different wacky routes and there's a lot to this game. So um, the thing I've done most is is fight in this game since the start. That's the thing I've been afforded the opportunity to do most. Um, through the, the critical path stuff you kind of have to do to let it branch out a bit more. It's not... F- where I am, it's still not fully opened up to me yet it's it's kind of things are getting more open where i can start looking at different distractions but still it's got the game is kind of gently saying no you still need to do a little bit more before we let you completely off the reins i think it's because it wants you to do all the different like encounter everything as part of a kind of very loose tutorial before uh before it kind of frees you up which is fair enough but um the fighting um is quite simple like it's not um it's not as precise as, say, the, the Batman games. It's not as complicated as a standard fighting game, thankfully, because I would be goddamn lost. But it's um it's a fighting system built on momentum, being able to build up simple combos of striking without being struck. Um, and you, you kind of build up a bar based on uh, kind of how much you're how much of a whooping you're putting on the guy or guys that you're fighting without being hit, because that will take momentum off you. And then, like, once you're depending on what your fighting style is, because you can change fighting styles as you go through the game, um, depending on what your fighting style is, once you've built up a couple of rows on the momentum bar, you can start executing cool uh, like finishing moves or environmental attacks, things like that. Um, and that, that feels real cool. It feels real kind of like... Uh, like, I want to say arcadey, and in this day and age, I feel that sounds like it's a jibe, but it's not. Like, it feels like a Sega-ass Sega game. Um, it... Because it doesn't, you know, in, in 2017, most games that have that kind of combat to them, like, the focus on a lot of it is getting, a, like, a real crunch out of throwing punches and kicks and things like that. It's a lot, it feels a lot lighter than that. It feels like you're real kind of flying around and, and stuff like that. And, like, it's it's not a, they haven't gone for a creepily realistic uh, world out there. Like, it's not nearly the um, precise 
pastiche of 60s America that the ma- the Mafia game is, uh, that Mafia 3 is. It's not the um, incredibly vibe- vibrant living world of GTA 5. It's definitely more video game city than that because things, <laughs> things are just like you would expect with a Sega game or a, a Japanese interpretation of a of an open world like it's a slightly off kilter yeah. like people are doing slightly weird things all the time like, I think people have seen a lot of gifs of like you're sitting in a casino in a restaurant or something and everything is very serious and then my I, I don't know have you seen this this is on uh, there's a let's I can't remember what let's play it is I, I haven't Where, spent a lot of time okay, watching so this the game. camera pans to the left and there's just a man in his underwear dancing in the middle because it's just an NPC that is programmed to do shit like that yeah, regardless that, of that what's sounds, around him that sounds about right so yeah it's really really odd and and um, the one thing I've had a chance to do, because it's a thing Kevin recommended, because it's something he got really into, was to start building your, your empire as a karaoke bar owner. So I've started playing some of the karaoke. I haven't got the opportunity to start investing in a bar yet. Um, but I've started playing some of the karaoke, and it's super good. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's proper, like, Parappa the Rappa rhythm stuff. Um, but it goes, like... So it starts off... And you know the way kind of, like... Um, with Guitar Hero or anything like that, you're always looking in the background, sort of. Like, you have to keep your eyes focused on the bar, but you can see there's stuff going on You're in the trying background. to, like, use your peripheral vision. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, there's, like, it starts off like karaoke, where it's just you, you're very... Like, your character is very serious as well, which makes this very funny when he's doing the karaoke. Because he's just... He's the only guy so far who just takes everything dead serious and isn't at least a little wacky. Um, So, he's starting off, and it's in this, like beat up karaoke bar and he's just kind of bopping back and forth and singing the song but like (laughs) about 10 or 15 seconds in like the whole background melts away and it goes full 80s power metal music video where I'm wearing like a bandana and I have uh, like a flying V guitar and Uh shit like that and all my bandmates are in matching gear and we're doing like throwing shapes and shit like that this game sounds pretty good oh my it's so amazing and like I've heard that all the different side quests um you can do like fishing and things like that as it goes on later um when the game fully opens up i get that deep as well so there's like with the karaoke there's a bunch of different songs that you can get your your efficiency your your level of karaoke mastery shall we say is rated out of a hundred so i've gotten up to on the the, the first song that's available to me i've gotten up to about 95 percent, which is um, i'm pretty happy with that that's you're called karaoke master then mm-hmm. uh but yeah this game like it is super weird it's super weird do not be expecting like if you're looking for a super serious gta style crime simulation game um that's not what you're getting um there is story there to be followed but i'm having so much fun with the actual gameplay that i kind of find myself drifting off a little during the cutscenes. going okay when do we get to the the fun stuff um, it sounds like a game that certainly it's not trying to reside or, or um, it's not trying to settle on the, the story as kind of what drives the game. It's mm. just just it, wacky it, game. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, it, wacky game, but there's definitely story. Like It's sure. not like with Just Cause where the story is completely forgettable. There definitely is story there to be oh. followed and it's an interesting story. It's just not as compelling to me as the wacky fights. Yeah, like Just Cause is just a big fuck off toy box just yeah. to play with. Yeah. Where here it sounds like there's 
kind of connecting thread beats of mm-hmm. story, but then there's just the wacky shit that goes on like between the kind of story parts, and that's the more interesting things going on. Absolutely. Uh, okay, that's going to do it for playing this week. Let's move on to the news. The news. News on the mark. Just when you thought it was safe to go back into virtual reality, we have another story about Oculus, my friend. Uh, Palmer Lucky, the man who last year was uh, sort of outed um, as being a, a sympathizer to the, the alt-right and a funder of uh, alt-right memes and things. Great lad. Um, kind of, when that happened, um, he was, we joked on the Game of the Year podcast that he was disappeared for want of a better term, because uh, Oculus is now owned by Facebook, and Facebook are, are not eager to have these Clearly owned of, by the Russians. Yeah, the, these kind of PR disasters happening to them. Mm-hmm. So Palmer Lucky kind of vanished at some point after all this stuff in the, the kind of mid to late last year. He was put into a box with just a, mm-hmm. a, a, a label on it saying, do not open till 2018. Yeah, um, and that was kind of unusual... Um, like understandable from Facebook point of view, but it, it's still unusual because he was such the he was the public face of Oculus. Uh-huh. Um, as all the articles note talking about this story, you know, he featured on the cover of Time magazine. He was the guy who was, if you wanted somebody from Oculus to come on your show and talk about stuff, he was probably more than willing to do so. Yeah, he was the the face and the voice of VR. Yeah, essentially. Um, it has transpired this week that he has been sacked. From <laughs> Oculus VR, um, which can happen when, even though you're a co-founder, you have sold your company to a bigger company. There's no yep. real guarantee that you're going to be kept on, especially in such circumstances. Um, the the statement here. Um, Palmer will be dearly missed. Palmer's legacy extends far beyond Oculus. His inventive spirit helped kickstart the modern VR revolution and helped build an industry. We're thankful for everything he did for Oculus and VR, and we wish him all the best. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of that. He's he's gone. Um, yeah, what a shame. Um, he... he... Like it's just—it's awful. It's—it's it's just—it's so sad. Well, the the thing about it is, like, I I, I don't agree with his views whatsoever, um, at, at all. Um, but at the same time, I I worry about the precedent this sets for anybody that has sort of um, contrarian political views being sacked from a job even if it's not necessarily well okay there's i want to say there's a difference between having contrarian political views and funding a basically ship meme um a movement if you will you know um like it's 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 grand than all if you are uh you see that that like the 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 specific meme thing was only a real third party association his direct link to that was never solidified what it was was that he was donating to a pro-trump organization that organization in turn had been donating its funds to some of its funds to that so like i I still think the pro like i think the real problem that 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 fucked him on this was that when he had the chance to before he was disappeared he didn't come out and say that the whole the yeah, meme situation I, I, that was the, that's the real sticking there point there is a difference with just seeing, between saying hey I am a supporter of Trump and yeah. uh, the how this all kind of came together and and, and, mm. and came to be um, so uh, yeah, yeah um, I'm, I'm not going to miss him um, just because of 
as we said, it's it's you can have contrarian political views, um, and and the, the thing about politics is that you know not everyone's going to agree with everyone. Um, but that particular subsect of uh, political people being the alt right uh, can kind of get to fuck as far as I'm concerned. So eh, we'll see what happens from it. Yeah, I, I I'm sure he will. He has a nice tidy pile of money. I he think never he'll needs to be okay. Um, he can go buy a nice little island in the Pacific somewhere. Indeed. In other kind of uh, legal related news, uh, Blizzard has won um, a lawsuit. I don't know if you were following this lawsuit in any great respect, but um, this was kind of a an important possible uh, precedent-making lawsuit uh, that Blizzard filed against bot-making firms. Do you know much about bot-making firms? Uh, I, I know a little bit. But... So, basically, for games like World of Warcraft, um, there are firms that exist, generally in Europe, where the, um, the, the laws around what you can and can't do by the internet are a lot more kind of nebulous, shall we say. Um, these firms were popping up that would basically sell you as you, you subscribe to them or pay them a flat fee depending on the the organization and then they will uh, automate your account for you so that when you're offline in world of warcraft or whatever the game is um they will go and uh keep mining the game for progress it will be as if you weren't stepping away from the keyboard it will keep so there there are certain if you've played any games like world of warcraft you know like the longer you play the the incentive is the more you play the more kind of uh things you get uh items resources sure. all sorts so, of things uh, and the, the more progress you make yeah i i um i do support for an mmo and we kind of incentivize players to go afk Mm -hmm. So whether it's fishing or they can kind of also run on the path, whatever they need to do, um, we can let them uh, stay in the game. Uh, usually it's just for like attendance rewards. So if they, yeah. like we have a, a an event at the moment where if they're playing or if they're in the game for over five hours, they get these uh, awards and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's an incentive just to keep people on. And we see it as well with mobile games these days where, you know, if you log in every day, you'll get an get award. Get your daily rewards, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, Metal Gear Solid Five has that. Really? Yeah, if you go on every day, you'll get a, a like an item drop. How about that? Yeah, every single, yeah. Um... But the, the the bot thing is kind of um, it's a bit more pernicious than that because it's giving you it's kind of it's, it's, it's almost like it's, the it's, game. it's basically a third party microtransaction. Yeah. Because it's you using money to get an unfair advantage over like earnest players of the game. So there are people who And I imagine this goes against Blizzard's T's and C's. Indeed. Uh, and that was the kind of the, the, the genesis of this lawsuit. But you'll see in the article here from Eurogamer they have a a picture of the kind of one of the advertisements for one of the firms which is uh honor buddy the bot for wow which is uh, a third-party bot for world of warcraft and they offer a three-month plan for 24.95 euro um so it's um it's interesting because if the it had been ruled against uh if the case had been ruled against blizzard it could have been open season for these kind of firms but um not only has the lawsuit been settled um, in the amount of $8.5 million plus legal fees being paid on on um, the part of uh, these bot firms, but uh, I imagine that uh, 
that has kind of crippled them a little bit. Not only that, but they were <laughs> the amount of violations that accrued this these damages. There were forty two thousand eight hundred and eighteen violations of terms and conditions as part of this uh, lawsuit. Um, so yeah, it's it. This is good because, um, like we said, we we don't want uh, a precedent set where it's kind of open season on these sort of games because. The more that sort of stuff happens where people are getting an unfair advantage based on the money they have, the less incentivized, uh, earnest people are to keep playing the game. Uh, well, it's either that or it's an incentive for them. Um, it's like in the Olympics where people just like, look, people are doing steroids. Just let everyone do yeah, steroids. Yeah, the drug Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think uh, Tommy uh, and, had a bit about And that you once. know what? I'm all for that. Um mm. But no, I think one of the, the big things with, with MMOs um, that it, that is a problem is uh, people creating accounts and selling them on, or yeah. um, and we have an issue with ours where there are third-party accounts where you can like buy uh, accounts, um, and then mm-hmm. after like three months, yeah. the original... You can do it on GTA online. You can, yeah, you, yeah. you can go buy accounts that are up to level, blah, blah, blah. And then basically what happens is after three months, the original person will come back on, verify their account again and take it back. Yeah. Um, and the original person is fucked. And, uh, there, were ki- and... there were kids I thought who uh, told me about like different places they were going to buy GTA online accounts. And I was like, why? You know what I mean? Like there's real... <laughs> like there's... That kind of stuff really takes the fun out of games for me. Um, well, it's like... Um, I don't feel like... And it's probably part of the generation we're from where games were difficult. Like, most games were difficult. Yeah. Like, there are still difficult games, don't get me wrong. Well, it's, but it's the kind of, like, it's the reward that you have accomplished something. Yeah, it's like buying a Pokemon game with 150 Pokemon on there. Yeah, I don't want that shortcut. No. I, don't, I don't want to pay for it. But um, that's the thing, because you think about mobile games these days where mm-hmm. that is a viable option. Indeed. So... Um, in other business news for gaming, this is our final bit of business news this week. Um, peripheral maker Mad Cats. Yeah, um, I saw this. Designer of uh, Rock Band Peripherals. Um, they have filed for bankruptcy, and all the directors of the company have resigned. Um, it's safe to say that the the reboots of um Rock Band and Guitar Hero, uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, um, now at this point. Didn't go great. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it people people did buy it and uh, you know people did play it and I actually think Rock Band Four it's more Rock Band, but it's cool that I can play Rock Band on my current gen consoles now. And Guitar Hero Alive I genuinely thought was a really interesting leap forward for that kind of game and uh, the different things it was doing, but it would appear that I am in the minority there because. Um, People were not buying this hardware, and Mad Cats has now gone under. Um, sad to see always people in the industry losing their jobs. Yeah, uh, I, but I, I think a, a real mark of the the, the real end of just, that kind of it's it's the sign of the times that you know that we had a generation, uh, and I I don't know how much is is into it, but there was a boom of music in the mid two thousands, um, and. I think that played like there's a, there's our generation where we had like a, a lot of really good music in the mid 2000s early mm-hmm. 2000s mid 2000s and I think that played a part into it and yeah. also it was um we had a lot Explosive, of those like garage rock and indie rock yeah and... but and also we had a um a, a bunch of games like uh, like guitar hero rock band and stuff like buzz as well mm-hmm. where you had these peripherals that iToy iToy yeah um for the PS2 and onwards and 
they were really cool ideas, and they, you know, they were doing a thing before the Wii where you had these peripheral uh, uh, con- controllers and um, bringing the the family together in a room. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just kind of got past that yeah essentially i think the way they're going now is uh, is integrating them into pre-existing things you might have in the home like for example the way singstar has gone this generation is that um your microphone is your mobile phone yeah uh or the way jackbox have gone where your game controller rather than with buzz having the the, the peripheral with the buttons on it your game controller for That's... jackbox is any electronic device that, that ha- has a browser that game it. is so clever Jackbox. You know? Oh, so All clever. of them, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackbox Party Pack 3 is actually getting its official European release yeah. soon, um, I saw. Um, and so, like, we I do... We already have the American version. <laughs> I do like Guitar Hero and Rock Band, and I like that they brought it back for this generation, um, and it's certainly a game... You've, 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 have you played Guitar Hero yet? I think I've dabbled with it. I think you we've played mainly played bit. Rock Band in this house. Yeah, yeah. And I'm fine with there being one... Uh, rock band and one guitar game for this generation because you only need one because mm-hmm. basically you just ship Continue in and as out as a service yeah and you ship yeah. in and out licenses or uh, uh, songs you know if and when and needed yeah and that's great um it's a it's a platform to push additional content through. yeah but i think like once you have your one guitar controller or whatever and i can't remember the the, the old controllers that they worked for this one um I, for, like a bit of a gray area. for xbox they did they ported over you okay now I could, I could be wrong on this i know for one of them it didn't i think it was for playstation rock band instruments didn't come over yeah um for guitar hero that's all out the window because it's a complete different guitar sure it's it's not five buttons anymore it's three and three so that obviously didn't pour so over. I just yeah I, I never thought the demand was going to be there um, mm. and it's sad. it's expensive business like just yeah. to start out like myself and Brian went in on it together um, and it was still quite expensive you I know? remember I think it's 300 quid to get the full band in a box Jesus or at least, really well that's what it was new well I remember paying about 160 for Guitar Hero World Tour uh, mm. but that was like fucking seven or eight years ago yeah well this is like we got the um the full drum kit the guitar and the microphone um okay. as well as the game for xbox it's not cheap you can that. buy a console for that you know yeah no true true um yeah sad to see them uh out of business but um it'll be interesting to see if anyone in a few years tries it again um because i think these things move in in in, in cycles you know i i think maybe eventually time will come where someone will think you know maybe it's time to try it'll it either be that or they'll f- try and find a way to put it onto mobile because um, mm. we had the the ds version which wasn't very good no so um persona 5 came out last week and is by all accounts a very very good game um if that is the, the kind of game that you're into uh but atlas have not really been covering themselves in glory this week mark um they have been coming out and ostensibly threatening people um saying that um they are not allowed stream past a certain point in the game mm-hmm. um and that date i believe is the 7th of july 7 7 so if you go past 7 7 because from what they say it's the that's where the the significant spoilers start um if you stream past there they're going to give you a copyright strike um and this has rubbed people the wrong way. They've completely disabled uh, native streaming on PlayStation 4 um, to stop people even being tempted to do this. Um, this is not a great look 
uh, to be honest with you, especially because they are, by doing copyright strikes on Let's Plays and being selective about it, they're showing a fundamental misunderstanding of the concept of a copyright strike. Mm-hmm. Because uh, if it was a copyright strike, they wouldn't care about when you were streaming in the game. They would just care that you were streaming the game. Not mm-hmm. only that, but then you wade into the fair use argument and things like that. Uh, but like, transformative work and, and things like that but clearly it's just that they're not fucked about people they're they're going down the nintendo route and we just don't want you streaming our games here's the thing a couple of things uh first of all um it seems to be that japan are the the, the ones that just really are behind the times when it comes to understanding the benefits of uh youtubers and yeah. or let's play like, sorry I, I just said earlier in the program about how it was part of partly watching let's plays that won me over on yakuza zero yeah, exactly yeah um and to a certain degree i can understand that hey persona is very much a story driven game and you don't want mm-hmm. that content getting out there oh yeah that's absolutely fine problem is is 2017 people are gonna write it or post it's gonna get out like 20 years ago fine if i wanted to see all the endings of silent hill 2 i was gonna have to play the game five four, time, five, five times, times yeah. yeah that's just not the case this these, these days yeah. and you know and there's a really cool uh, and we've spoken about with danny o'dwyer talking about the likes of spelunky and the witness um, and his from witness documentary is out this week by the way everyone yeah. check out Noteclip on YouTube and keeping mystery within games and look you know it takes a very clever game these days to retain that sense of mystery alright mm. um, and this isn't a case here it's just it's a story driven game Yeah. but the simple fact is is that if you try and take something away from people they will find a way to it's called and uh, Jim, Jim Sterling has actually done a Jimquisition about this very issue that just went up today oh, has and I, I recommend people uh, okay check it out but what you're talking about is called the Streisand effect is that if like if you take is something this, away is... from people if you tell them what not to do it's only going to increase the undercurrent of people wanting to do that I'm, I'm raising my hand here. I don't know if it's named after Barbara Streisand okay right okay cool <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, and, and on top of that as well, what that means is that you're going to have the few people that will get that content out there um, because you know they, that's where the money's going to be. It's where the clicks are going to be. Yeah. Um, it's just a very backwards approach, and you see uh, everyone these days that has a clue is being very um, open and very um, approachable when it comes to streamers and whatnot mm-hmm. because they know that hey, this game, this these people give our game that much more visibility than we could possibly ever ask for. Uh, Interesting update here from the fact check department. The Streisand effect is indeed named after Barbara Streisand. Is it so? so? I I shall read here for you just as a little fact of the week here for you. Thanks to the cast. Uh, The Streisand effect is a phenomenon whereby an attempt to remove or censor, uh, hide, remove or censor a piece of information has the unintended consequence of publicizing the information more widely, usually facilitated by the internet. It is an example of psychological uh, reactance. Wherein once people are aware something is being kept from them, their motivation to access and spread the information is increased. It is named after the American entertainer Barbara Streisand, whose 2003 attempt to suppress photographs of her residence in Malibu, California, inadvertently drew further public attention to it. Um, I'd say American entertainer is a bit strong, but other than that, it's, sure. It's, it's, all, it's actually very reminiscent. Do you remember there was also the, the Beyonce photograph, where everyone was photoshopping her to look like the Incredible Hulk? Where she was kind of pulling a, a gurney face as she was dancing. Not completely and, missed that. Like her legal team went to try and stop people from 
reproducing okay. those photos which Actually, just made everyone for just... me the example I use is like the super injunctions like the Ryan Giggs yeah. issue where yeah. he was like putting the super injunction and so everyone on Twitter went uh, Ryan Giggs yeah yeah, <laughs> pretty much um, yeah so that's that, that's Persona 5 uh, Atlas are not doing well it's a shame because they're a real beloved company generally speaking but this uh, that was a phenomenon that had started they, they had started this don't stream our stuff with uh, was it last year or the year before when Persona 4 Dancing All Night came out I think it was two years ago um, oh. They had started this kind of stuff then as well, and it seems to be very much a spoilers is our excuse for telling you not to do it. Gotta be honest, having now spent a couple of hours with Persona, I can say I don't really care. Yeah, it's it's a niche game, that's for sure. I, I love I the style those neat. games have. Oh yeah, yeah. That game that that will definitely win best style. Best style. Um. A game that we had very much looked forward to, Mark, is getting some decidedly mixed reviews, and that is Ukulele. Um, there are people who... It ranges from people who really like the game. Um, at the, like The Guardian gave it four stars um, to people who feel a bit meh about the game. I think that's the vast majority of people are a bit kind of, yeah! I, I think that, like this game uh, has the, the widest range of scores I've seen for a while. Like yeah. Most of the games we've seen this year have been like... 9 out of 10 people will say they really like it and then the one person mm-hmm. says they don't but here there's a real wide spectrum which is interesting and I think what part of that is down to is um, because of what ukulele is which is a throwback to Banjo-Kazooie you're yeah. either going to have people that still appreciate the nostalgic kick of Banjo-Kazooie yeah. or you're going to have people that either A didn't play it originally and don't understand that or C people that did play Banjo-Kazooie back in the day and have now realised that that gameplay is well past well, yeah, I, you see I think it's not so much even the gameplay as much as the idea of the collectathon platformer I well, think that's what I mean by the left, gameplay yeah yeah, yeah. The, the actual like the, 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 the purpose of the game it's mechanical in that way um because i i think the like um the thing for a lot of people is at the time i think it was banjo kazooie was almost universally lauded uh as being fantastic but if that came out came out now because of what we know about games now and because of what kind of platformers and games are in 2017 i don't think it would do nearly as well yeah, i think, I, I think largely, it would get similar scores so it's, it's largely because um you know we, we were still being introduced to open 3D worlds to mm-hmm. explore, you know, mm-hmm. which was which is and, and the collectathon, the collectathon aspect to it, where you have to get a certain amount of MacGuffins, uh, is sort of um, it's it's, it's a, a way to in, it's a way to incentivize you to explore everything. Sure, that's basically what it's there for. Um, so because everyone's been there, done that, bought the T-shirt in 2017, it's only really going to, and that's from reading a lot of reviews. Um, that seems to be the main sticking point for a lot of people is that the people that tend to brush against it are either people who didn't like that kind of game to begin with, uh, don't think this kind of game really belongs in 2017, or then the third group of people who did like that game but were hoping that this would uh, subvert or build on that concept more substantially than it does. Yeah, Because it seems basically just to be the kind of the exact kind of game you think it is for better or worse and to be honest once you've done a collectathon on a skateboard i can't go back to just walking yeah. around yeah so uh I, like i'm still looking forward to this yeah you know sure. what i mean it's out in um it's out next week um like i'm still uh, quite looking forward i think to it'd it. be 
Um, it sounds like the kind of game that would be a nice. We've spoken before about having a game which is a planet, uh, planet palette cleanser, palette cleanser yeah. to uh, a bigger game you're playing. And I imagine for you certainly um, on the Switch, having uh, Zelda and then having this. <sighs> like uh, the the thing about it is, there's so many good games, and the two big games I'm trying to get through. I'm trying to get through one of them at a time rather than play both of them. Like I have Zelda, and then when I eventually beat Zelda. I still have Horizon Zero Dawn, which I have barely touched. Dave, and that is, by all accounts, one of the best games Dave, of the generation. don't fucking talk to me about not getting plenty games at the moment. I know, I know. But you uh, know what I mean? Like, it's the idea that I'd be lurching from one massive open world game to another. Uh-huh. It's not like at this point I have... I used to have a substantial backlog in terms of number of games on it. Um, I did some really kind of, like, targeted work on getting rid of that list a lot last year. And now this year, I don't have nearly as many games on the backlog, but the one or two games I have are fucking, like, the just gargantuan tasks to try and complete. All games should be two hours long. There's someone getting absolutely pilloried on, um... Oh, on, on Twitter today for suggesting... There was someone who suggested that, like, there needs to be more games that are about six hours long. Oh, it was... It was and uh, then there was yeah, the guy who retweeted that saying this guy doesn't want to belong in the video game industry. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's a guy uh, at Still Great who is... Uh, he writes for Breitbart, so make it that way. Uh, or Heat Street or one of those fucking websites. Um, and he's a clown. He's an absolute clown who, um, you know, has... That's what you really feel. No, he's tweeted everything about white supremacy and sexism or whatever else. Um, and it's just it's a phenomenally stupid statement that yeah. you can't have a game that is no more than six hours long and still be... Yeah. like not, he, to, not to go on my video games are art, uh, as art or as an art form, uh, time to game, but that's like saying no paintings should have blue in them. Or just <laughs> portal. It's yeah. all you have to say. Yeah. Just put it big and bright for him to see, portal. Yeah. Um... Breath of the Wild has had a patch this week, uh, and this is very brief news because I don't want to get down into Breath of the Wild cast yet again, but uh, I have good news and bad news about the patch, Mark. Uh, the good news is that for the most part, it uh, fixes frame rate issues on the Switch. The bad news is it fucks the frame rate issues on the Wii U. Somehow the same patch has uh, repaired things on the Switch and broken pretty much the exact same things on the Wii U. Yeah, well, fuck those people that bought it on the Wii U. <laughs> Get with the times. Uh, the one area, from because I played it with the patch installed on it, uh, the one area that I think is still particularly particularly, particularly egregious that, is late. Right. that hasn't been fixed is um, in the... Um, I'm trying to be really delicate about this. In the Korok Forest. Is it um, by any chance anywhere where there's a lot of foliage going on? It's where the most foliage yeah. in the whole game that's, is. It's always, always the because case. it's pretty much in the in the forest. It's you're surrounded overhead, beside, in front, behind, and on the ground yeah. by foliage. See, it was grand in the uh, the N sixty four days where all the grass was just like a static image. Mm. But uh, as soon as you have to start moving like individual blades of grass, it's, it's actually not a good starting time. to move uh, forward on some uh, some critical path stuff on that game now. Yeah, and it's quite that interesting. fucking time. Yeah, I've got two of the four divine beasts sorted out, and I got the master sword. Whoop, whoop. I mean, I just don't even have a switch. Love so. that game. Love that game. Go fuck yourself. Uh, Jack and Daxter remasters coming yeah. to PS4, and uh, I want to speaking of collector fonts. I know. Yeah, I want to uh, just specify that these aren't kind of rebuilt in the way Ratchet and Clank were. That Ratchet and Clank was rebuilt from the ground up. 
um, and kind of uh, reimagined for PS4. No, this is the PS2 Jack and Daxter games just kind of polished up. <laughs> They're in the, what had... are officially called the, the PS2 Classics range. Because we've already had a trilogy release. Uh, uh, on PS3. Yeah. Yeah, but this isn't those. It's the, because the PS3 architecture is so fucked. But for yeah. bringing stuff forward uh-huh. they said it was actually easier to go back to ps2 and rebuild them for ps4 than it was to bring them from ps3 to ps4 <laughs> just uh, that's a it's a wonderful statement yeah yeah so um, it's it's part of okay. the because you see more if you pay attention to the Play- playstation store on ps4 there's more and more ps2 classics coming out which i definitely advocate because uh, i love I, my ps2 i never played two or three and um i like the original I was told they're good games. They were like palate cleansers for me. I was told that two almost was like a fucking GTA game, but in the Jack and Daxter universe. Mm, Yeah, I can see where a lot of um, of driving going on there. Yeah, Yeah. I would be. uh, I I really fucking liked Ratchet and Clank last year, so anything Mm. along those lines, I'm all for. Uh, A lot of scuttlebutt coming out of um, Marvel. Uh, Marvel uh, Vice President Ryan Panagos who I believe goes by at Agent M on the tweet machine he's a good guy to follow if you want some of them Marvel scoops Uh, he may have accidentally let slip that uh, the Insomniac PlayStation 4 exclusive Spider-Man game which I salivated over that trailer for at E3 last year that it may actually see its release this year that's kind of a little bit of a surprise mark yeah I didn't think we'd see that until 2018 at the earliest well I mean I think maybe it could be a case that um, I still feel like this year towards the latter end is going to be a bit quiet so Mm. um, we've had such a front load at the start of the year that you know uh, look there's every chance that it'll still be delayed but If they aim for yeah, because like Q three Q four is mostly just this year. It's the annualized games and Shadow of War are pretty much yeah. The... So like this would and, be... oh, South Park. Who knows? I don't fucking know what's going on with South Park. <laughs> South Park, by the way, in an update to last week's story, uh, everybody who has pre ordered South Park on PS four had refunds sent out to them yeah, this week. Yeah, sure. Whether you wanted it or not. Um, and so like because in terms of stuff Marvel wise coming out this year we have the Guardians of the Galaxy is Telltale game a month? and we have the Guardians of the Galaxy film that's out in a month yeah and the um... is there any more television Defenders is out in August that, Defenders that, that actually the um, the the release date for that slipped today so the Defenders which is the series that has Jessica Jones uh, Iron Fist daredevil and luke cage together as yep. the defenders yep. that that is out in august so sigourney weaver is the villain in that oh how yeah. about that so you know there's not um there's not like a a, a boatload of marvel content so sure yeah get get it out this yeah. year the guardians movie is out in may and i believe and this may be the motivating factor spider-man homecoming is out at the end of the summer ah uh, yeah actually that'll probably be so while the the kind of hype for sure. spider-man is still high um, uh, yeah how the fuck did i completely miss that yeah, no, that'll yeah probably that's make that's your sense. that's your second one for this year sure. i think Actually, is Thor out this year? I don't know. I'll have a look when we're talking about our next story. <sighs> this is an interesting thing, and I think this is a really cool thing. So EA Access, which is something that I haven't really been too motivated to get myself, but it's a subscription service um, that started on Xbox One, and it, I think the, the future plan is to roll it out everywhere. But um, if you were an early adopter that got it originally, um, and this is a subscription service that gives you... Um, 
a bunch of not quite brand new EA games, but relatively new, like a big library of EA games for free as part of this. Well, I say for free, but as part of this subscription service. What is EA Origins then? Or That's being... just your kind of uh, just your account. Uplay account uh, equivalent, you know. Sure. Okay. Um, but the people who are early adopters of that are getting sent out two terabyte hard drives for their Xbox. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so so quoi? Yeah. Um, according to various EA Access users on Twitter, they have received a nice present in the mail, a 2TB Seagate game drive for Xbox One. Um, they're basically being rewarded, being told that, uh, look, thanks for signing up early with the service, because it is kind of a risk from EA's point of view um, to have run such a service. And they're saying that, uh, that they send out a little note that's saying uh, more games, more space. That's fucking mental. Isn't that really cool? Like for EA, trademark evil video game corporation. That's like, a pretty cool the move. The best I've ever gotten from the Nintendo Club is a badge. Yeah. And Phil Spencer tweeted a picture of this to, to verify that that actually is the case. He tweeted out, Great to see EA Access recognising the fans who've supported them from day one. Proud to have EA Access on Xbox One. Hashtag play more. Now, I, I, the the obvious joke is there that there's no actual games to put in it for the Xbox One. But mm. well, actually, Fi- Yeah, but well, FIFA 17 actually went on EA Access this week. So that's good. Okay, uh, fair that's, enough. That's a good coincidence. So, and you can sure. get like Dragon Age Inquisition and stuff like that. Yeah, but so. why would you do that? people like the, that game um, I picked that up for 11 quid and still haven't played it <laughs> yeah there's a lot of people that are wrong um, speaking of football <laughs> let's go to a little place that I like to call Konami Corner fuck Konami we back Mark it's been a while it's been a while. Uh, Konami, you're at it again. I'm afraid to report. No, you're not. I'm not you're not afraid to report. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm really excited about this one. Um, because this actually isn't all on Konami. So, in what I'm describing as the Battle of the Shitehawks, Konami might be getting sued by one Diego Maradona. Legendary footballer and uh, latter-day shithead. Um... <laughs> So, kind of one of the, the, the key things about Pez that has always uh, differentiated it from FIFA is that it has an abundance of classic players that you can uh, mess around with. Well, you've got to have a selling point. Yeah, and there is a player who is the, the kind of the, the analogue to Diego Maradona in it. Um, and because the game has, quote-unquote, used his likeness, uh, El Diego is very getting very pissy about that and has threatened to sue. And uh, Konami has issued a, a statement, kind of rebutting that. And wait till wait till you hear this this very vague and strange statement from I'm Konami. Listening. They have said at this time there have been news that in winning 11 2017 international title Pez 2017 Pro Evolution Soccer, which I did not know was technically the full name of that game. Uh, there is one player that is being used without permission. However, our company is using the player appropriately with the basis of the license within the contract. Um, and I think what that is basically arguing very poorly is that... With, I'm pretty with, sure Konami have an EU office somewhere as well. And yeah, have yeah. people oh, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Um, in English. Pretty shows how little of a fuck they give about this. But um, the, the thing about using likenesses of re- real life uh, football players or, or anything like that, um, the the 
the legal term to make kind of a legal distinction between the, the fictional version and the real life version i think the only requirement and i don't know how you judge this metric i don't, I don't know at all but i think once it's considered to be um like a, i think it's 10 percent, but maybe 20 percent of a change there there genuinely is some sort of weird distinction like that like once it's a slight variation and it's not like photo realistic with the name and everything like that once it's slightly changed enough which is how gta have gotten away with it for fucking years that they have people who are definitely supposed to be i know exactly who that is from the real world blah 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 and they they don't get sued for it like Lindsay lohan tried to sue them which is hilarious because they weren't ripping on Lindsay lohan they were ripping on someone else much more clearly with that character yeah um but yeah diego maradona i don't think has a leg to stand on here he is a man who has been known to throw around uh like a frivolous claim here or there did he just see like an image of maron fellini and just presumed it was him yeah well if you look at the picture here from this Eurogamer article you can see facially it does resemble him a, a fair bit it looks more like alan davis like well if you remove the hair like if you look at him it kind like it kind of does look like a young diego maradona but not so much so that you would say 100 percent certain that is diego maradona dave if you did as much cocaine <laughs> as maradona uh-huh. anyone would look like maradona my favorite maradona story is still he owes the italian government so much in back taxes if he ever passes through customs that the italian government uh has jurisdiction over they take his jewelry <laughs> Because he didn't pay any tax when he played for Napoli. Fucking hell. What is he up to these days? I don't know. Did he Did he run for president? Well, do you know or... who his daughter is married to and has a kid with? I have no idea. One Sergio Aguero, Man City striker. How about that? I would have already signed that child to my youth academy and he's only about two years old. You talk about genetics. Aguero and Maradona. On the I, good I, side, you could have one of the greatest footballers of a generation. On the other side, you could have a coke addict who breaks his legs. I was going to say... I was going to say those genetics have been through uh, through the ringer over the years, and those genetics, I imagine, have been spread fairly wide, knowing El Diego. <laughs> All right, then, calm down. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for the news this week. We are going to move on now to our book club feature. That feature every week where we look back at a famous game from days past that we think you should either check out for the first time if you haven't already, or maybe dig back out of the cupboard if you uh, if you haven't played it in a long, long time. And this week is one of myself and Mark's favourite games of all time. And it is Mario Kart 64. Mario Kart 64, or in Japanese, 64 Mario Kato Roku Juyon, is a 1996 go-kart racing game developed and published by Nintendo for the Nintendo 64 video game console. It was the successor to Super Mario Kart for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System and is the second game in the Mario Kart series. 
It was first released in Japan on December 14th, 1996, and in North America and Europe in 1997. In January 2007, Mario Kart 64 was released as a downloadable virtual console title on the Wii and Wii U. Uh, changes from the original include the move to polygon-based true 3D computer graphics for track design and the inclusion of four-player support. Players take control of characters from the Mario universe who race around a variety of tracks with items that can either harm opponents or aid the user. The move to three-dimensional graphics allowed for track features not possible with uh, the original game's Mode 7 graphics such as changes in elevation, bridges, walls and pits. However, the characters and items remained 2D pre-rendered sprites. Mario Kart 64, my friend. Um, I believe the third game that I owned for my Nintendo 64 console when I got it back in the day, if not the fourth. Um, I, I don't even think there's much of an argument that it is one of the greatest racing games of all time. Um, uh, are there are people out there that think it is the worst Mario Kart game. I think those people are fools and charlatans. I, I, I'm going to jump a couple of steps ahead here, right? Mm-hmm. How is it that 20 years later, after the release of this game, that Nintendo consistently uh-huh. fucks I know up exactly. battle mode? Yeah, I know exactly. I knew from the second you said that. Uh, we, we, we will get to battle mode shortly, but that is one that completely baffles me, and I'm hoping Mario Kart 8 Deluxe certainly uh, it looks like that trend. Dave, yeah. Um, so yeah, where do we even start with Mario Kart 64? Okay. Um, Here's this the thing. is one of the games, like, if I look at my library of N64 games out there, there are a few I've played more hours into. Um, there are a few I've played more with other people. Um, it's, uh, fucking, it is, um... We, here's the thing. We've said on a number of occasions now when it comes to games that we've discussed on the N64 outside of the the Zelda series, um, the the, the key selling point of the Nintendo 64 is the ease and accessibility of its multiplayer. Yeah, no need for a multi-tap. Just bring your controller over. There's four ports on the front of it. Get going. And myself and uh, my former bandmates, uh, Cheap Plug, talk show hosts, go find him on MySpace, 2006... The, the the amount of times that we would just meet over at either my house or my friend friend show Jack or uh, my friends Matt and Matt um, and just brought our controllers around and just slapped in Mario Kart 64 and played battle mode for an hour mm-hmm. um, you know that, that was a, a significant portion of my teenage years and yeah. like when I think about me as a person who plays video games, and I think about the games that I played growing up, like, uh, by far, even just from a, a purely, uh, just like, going by hours-wise and time spent, like, Mario Kart 64 is probably, like, top three, I think, at, <clears throat> at minimum, uh, for, for the games that I spent the most amount of time on. And for the most part, that was literally doing one fucking level in battle mode. <laughs> like, block... Block four, yeah, just over and over and over again. Um, yeah, like for me, that alone is is a significant reason why I would have to have this game on like our list if we have such a thing that you want to call yeah. uh, of of important games. Um, but it does go beyond that. So yeah, there's there's a lot of kind of um, you want to talk about the. Um... The actual racing mode. So in the Grand Prix, um, there's a lot of kind of um, memorable tracks on there. Like I, I still get um, 
Vietnam style flashbacks of being sideswiped on Toad's Turnpike to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of courses, and they, I think everybody has their own nightmare course that they they hated playing. And I, I think this was it was a game that had a great balance of I think every cup in it, with the exception of, I think was it the Mario Cup was the first one. Is that the the earliest There's one? Mushroom Cup. Mushroom Cup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only one that doesn't really have a fuck you level in it. I think all the rest well, of no, them... Well, no, because it does have uh, the Cooper Beach with the little shortcut on the ramp through the... Oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which, to this day, I still can't consistently hit. Yeah. Um, I, I think... All, all the cups have that balance of there's a couple of levels everybody's able to do, so everybody's enjoying it, and everyone's in with a shout for the first two races and then when it gets to race three and four they separate the wheat from the chaff pretty efficiently with things getting more difficult with yeah. in terms of obstacles sharp turns um item distribution things like that um i think in terms of actual game design from the how well the tracks are done um it's 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 really really good stuff yeah um I think that, and this is um, maybe a, a larger conversation or a conversation that expands across the, the Mario Kart universe, um, they, they've they never really changed the formula of Mario Kart. Like, even with Mario Kart 8, it's, hey, look, here are four races, do them. Yeah. Um, I know they'll sometimes tweak the formula with um, like how to get the most amount of points where you just need to come first, basically, every yeah. time. And like Mario Kart 64 is really like the, the Kart universe stripped down to its core in just look mm-hmm. here. Here are a bunch of cups. Um, you can do them from the get go. Uh, that's it. You know, like the only thing you could possibly be playing for in terms of longevity is. Uh, is quick laps or fast laps yeah and i can see how for some people just how stripped down it is um is not particularly compelling and like i will say this i don't think that uh over the course of time now that mario kart 64 has like the most interesting courses like i think even with uh double dash like double dash has some fucking great courses you are a big double dash i am a big fan of double dash but the self-contained package of what Mario Kart 64 is for that point in time mm-hmm. um, and the kind of explosion of like four player uh, multiplayer for you know the N64 like it can't be argued that where we went from um, the really really charming Super Mario Kart for the Super Nintendo uh, and it's two player multiplayer, and um, the way that it used Mode 7 in the same way that F-Zero did to create this kind of immersive experience of, of you driving around these tracks to bring them into the kind of more fully 3D world. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, for me at the time of being uh, eight or nine years old, you know, that's pretty mind-blowing stuff. Yeah. Um, like some of, some of the tracks that are like to this day, um, like Bowser's Castle was a fucker in that yeah, um, yeah. Frap Snowland with the with the, the snowmen all Those over bosses. the place having to weave in and out of them Moo Moo Farm with the, the gophers or whatever coming out of the ground yeah, yeah. motherfuckers uh, Rainbow Road obviously is the one that if you hear Rainbow Road in a Mario Kart game you know you're in for some absolute fuckery see now here I have I have my one major critique about 
uh, Mario Kart 64, and has always been my critique of, of Mario Kart 64 from the, the first time I played it. Shoot. I think that that version of Rainbow Road is by far the, the worst edition or rendition of Rainbow Road because difficulty is taken out of the equation, you know. Uh, you think about the original Super Mario Kart 64 Rainbow Road, it's a bastard because there's no barriers either side. The uh, Mario Kart 8 Rainbow Road is a fucker as well. Yeah, but that's awesome because that's like yeah. basically Both a, them, a fucking two of them. space station. Yeah, because yeah, there's, yeah. there's the new one and then there's the, the rehash of the original one. Sure. Um, so the only interesting thing about Mario Kart 64's Rainbow Road is trying to do the shortcut at the start. Um, other than that, it's just it's a little bit too long, a little bit too... Uh, just a little bit lethargic. But yeah, yeah like uh, for that game at its time, um, I think it has some very memorable courses. The, the return of the, the Banshee Boardwalk, the... Yep. Oh, damn it, that's, that's one of the ones you talk about, no barricades. That's yeah, a, I, I think it's... That's punishing. And uh, Yoshi Valley as well. Was a, sure. Oh. I think it's, it's, again, it's that, like Mario Kart 64, it's bringing the 2D games into the 3D environment and thinking, mm. you know, how will they do that? Um, and... I still think, in terms of actually playing that game, I still think it holds up really, really well. Yeah, you know? yeah mechanically, it, it um, feels great. Still. I do think that, at this point now, Mario Kart 8 is a better game in terms yeah. of how it drives. Um, but, you know, there was a game that was And it's a breathtaking visual spectacle yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But it took until that point for them to, for me, to, like, legitimately think that, okay, they have, you know, brought Mario Kart up until... Yeah. Uh, up to the kind of new generation, if you will. Because I thought Mario Kart Wii was, was a little bit lacking. One of the big charm factors of Mario 64 for me has always been, um, or Mario Kart 64, should I say, is the music. Um, yeah. I really, really like the music. Um, we talk about Rainbow Road. It's it's not a, the, the most challenging iteration of Rainbow Road, but I love the music from Rainbow Road. Mm. Um, the, uh, in fact, there's, I can't really think of any track where on that game where there's a song I, I don't like. I, I love... God, the music in that game is so good. Uh, any particular standout memories from from the the soundtrack for you? Or? Um, just like the the initial uh, Mario Mario Circuit, you know, because um, I've played that track so many friggin' times, yeah. it kind of stands out now. Uh, and like Block Fortress is just or Block Fortress, sorry, is is ingrained into my mind because I have genuinely probably spent more time on that level than I have anything else in any other video game I've ever played. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, th- those two kind of. The I love ones uh, the the sound and um, is it Wario's Raceway as well? I, yeah, I, I really like, especially because that track always to me is like this is just Excite Bike. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's just Excite Bike with go karts. Yeah. Right, although it has to be said, like um, that game for me in terms of its sound has been drowned out mainly by the screaming and shouting of my friends around yeah. me as we've yeah. been playing Blockfort. So. Um, one of the before before I hit on battle mode, which I think will be our final thing before sure. we see our way out. Um, one thing I want to talk about, and actually this is a good segue, I, I think, into battle mode is the importance of um, the thing that really separates kart racers from um, kind of racing simulators as an authentic racing experience is the power ups. Yeah. Um, the the preponderance of boosts, coins, and and weapons. Um. And there are a lot of weapons in this game, and I don't just mean the absolute weapons you're playing against. Sometimes, <laughs> um, talk to me a little bit the 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 kind of the 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 infamy of uh, weaponry in Mario Kart. Well, here's the thing: like, <clears throat> um, your preference for for this kind of thing is what kind of makes or breaks Mario Kart. I feel for players, yeah, because you have the the pure. Um, 
skill needed for something like F-Zero. You know, you mm-hmm. winning is purely based on how good you are getting around those courses. Yeah, where, Gran Turismo. Or... <clears throat> where with Mario Kart, um, and I can't remember what it's like for all the Mario Kart games, but I know definitely remember specifically for uh, Mario Kart 64 that uh, if you are in... Um, like eighth place, you do go a little bit faster mm-hmm. than um, whoever's in first yeah. place. So there's there's a couple of different interesting algorithms that uh, they, they 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 use. Uh, not specifically this one. So this they do rubber banding and jet streaming on the the um, or slip streaming on Mario Kart games where um, you travel a little faster. Um, if if you're in the back, uh, not only that, but being able to in the latter America games, being able to follow someone who's directly behind you, yeah, lets you to slipstream and overtake them. Not not um, in this one, but there's that's yeah, it, and there's yeah. also one of the things in the later later Mario Kart games again, where uh, if you collect the coins, so if you get the closer you get to ten coins, the closer you get sure. to maximum acceleration. Although that is never explicitly stated in the games you're just it's you the goal for that yeah and that's, um, that's not in mario kart 64 no but one of the things one of the things that's also interesting about it that they would kind of fix later on is weapon distribution based on where you are on the grid so it's not as um it's not as prevalent in mario kart 64 but it definitely is a thing where you tend to get you tend to get less of the unbelievably powerful weapons when you're closer to the front than at the back. Oh, I think it's it's very much prevalent. Um, like uh, it's well, the thing is, what I mean is, it, it it's prevalent, but not in the same way where ninety nine times out of a hundred feels like if you're in first or second on Mario Kart eight, you're just getting a coin with a weapon. Whereas you'll still get your you'll you'll still get your red shells and a couple of other useful things when you're in first. I think with first, it's you very rarely you'll get the red, but usually it's either it's a green shell or banana, which is just mm-hmm. to back up the fence. You know, you can hold it behind you. Um, but yeah, like they're seeing stuff like the lightning bolt in the lightning bolt and the blue shell are ones that you will never get close the to the blue front. fucking shell. Yeah, the blue shell of death, which yeah. they have. Interestingly, they've only tackled in the most recent Mario Kart game a way to try and defend yourself against that with the horn, which I think is an interesting. I like that. I I like. I really like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like it's 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 purely a a preferential thing, Um, and we've seen it used in so many other iterations, like we saw with Diddy Kong and Crash. Uh, God knows how many other games, like the the uh, Sega All Star Racing game, did a similar thing as well. And, you know, they're all based on a similar theme of a here's a projectile weapon, here is a defensive weapon, here is a weapon, a, a, a speed item, if you will. Yeah. Um, and Mario Kart was there first, uh, you know, innovators. And I like the way, and I always have liked the way that, you know, those items then will be used into the segue. Uh, battle mode mm. and their kind of how you use them changes slightly. Yeah, so the battle mode is a mode that uh, has long existed in Mario Kart games and I think this was like you said the last time they truly nailed it um, where you're kind of you're driving around in a car with, with, with uh, three balloons on it and the, the goal is to hit, your, hit the other players with weapons uh, or knock them off the course so that they lose the balloons and once all the balloons are gone they're out. Um, and try to be the last man standing. Um, and this game is really, really good at it because you have your four different arenas that you can pick to do it in. And I think that is one of the major problems, uh, particularly with Mario Kart 8, that fucks me off, is that 
uh, it's got battle mode with balloons and stuff in it but it is over the course of a full race track rather than inside in a cool looking arena um, talk to me a little bit about like you said your most played mode on this uh, tell me about uh, your, your joys and horrors from battle <sighs> mode so there were two games um, specifically from the N64 that myself and my three closest friends would play uh, one was Mario Tennis uh, which is a great game for the N64. And the other was Mario Kart 64. And I think the ratio of uh, actual racing to, to battle mode was about a 90-10 split. Um, there is something very pure and very raw about um, Blockfort on Mario Kart 64. Uh, and what works about it, and what they've consistently fucked up since, is that A, it keeps the rules very simple. You all have three balloons. First player to, uh, or the last last man standing wins, essentially. Um, with block four, it's symmetrical. So you have four uh, uh, towers, essentially, that you can drive up. They're all the same, um, but each one is color-coded. So I think it's blue, red, yellow, and green. It's been a while since I've played, but I'm pretty sure there's the four. Um, but it's, it's all symmetrical. You all start... You have four uh, kind of alleyways, and you're all uh, you have two players facing each other, two players facing each other from the other way, and you all kind of meet in the middle, um, unless you kind of spin around and try and find your uh, your special boxes. Um, and it's obviously the, the the luck is involved in the items that you get, but you know you're all in the same place. All the items around you are in in an equal distance, mm-hmm. so the the skill is still involved, and in you get to those items first. But there is nothing as enthralling as um, getting a red shell while on top of the fort and then raining down hell and fire onto some poor, unsuspecting foe below. Mm. Or um, and many, many times where you'll be driving along and someone will be chasing you um, who has a shell or whatever. And then suddenly you will uh, drive up one of the forts, get to the top, grab a, a, a special box... Uh, an iron box that has a star and then suddenly the roles reversed and now you're chasing after them um like all i ask for with mario kart 8 deluxe is uh block four and just four players three balloons each last man standing it's all i need is all i need and it amazes me how they've consistently got it wrong since mario kart 64 Absolutely. Um, if I were to try and wrap this up in uh, some sort of nice little package and give you an elevator pitch is uh, play this because um, it is one of the most accessible multi- local multiplayer experiences you're going to have from that generation because like we said you can just plug in the four controllers and go. It is one of the most uh, satisfying and pleasant experiences in terms of like the music, the visuals, things like that. It's also one of the most ungodly competitive local multiplayer games you will ever have. And if there's any per- person in your life you've been thinking of, are they a real friend? Can I really go through thick and thin with them? Let me tell you, this will put a test on some relationships and some friendships um, throwing down on Mario Kart. Um it's definitely for me one of uh, the best installments in the franchise the only one that could possibly top it for me and I think um, it'd be similar for yourself as much as you love Double Dash I think the the, the only one that's that, that you could argue is distinctly considerably better than it might be Mario Kart 8 
I think it would be a fair system to say that Mario Kart is the best Mario Kart game. Yeah. Um, I, I think the only thing that puts Mario Kart 64 over for me personally is just the, the kind of the memories, the, the rose-colored sure, glasses. It, it, of... it, but the thing is, is with Mario Kart 64 is, though it does have that nostalgia tinge to it, it's still... It's still good. Yeah, It's it, still it, playable. Even if you take the, the, the tinge of nostalgia from uh, us having played it at the time all the way through to yeah. now, it's still a really good Mario like, Kart Like, you think game. about the N64 and sometimes nostalgia is is the overriding factor because, mm. I mean, GoldenEye, as much as, as I love GoldenEye, uh, actually no I'll say more of Perfect Dark as much as we love Perfect Dark the N64 version is kind of unplayable at points yeah, yeah. It, it definitely is now yeah <laughs> but where, where Mario Kart holds up uh, Mario Kart 64 holds up uh, really well still to this day one last piece of business Mark Robinson and that is for you to talk to me about what we're going to be covering next week on the show so for the first time we are going to be playing or sorry we're going to be talking about a game that neither of us have played for anywhere near enough time to be able to give a, a yeah. well measured i've got measured, five or six hours into this game yeah I think. uh but we we've we're gonna bring someone else on to talk about this game and i think it's a game yeah. that acknowledging well, when we acknowledge that we're out of our depth we we call in the experts yeah uh but there are games that you know i do want us to talk about um because it's just the case there are going to be games that we haven't played that need to be discussed because hey this is linked to the cast and we not uh, David Mark's list of fun fuck off everyone else well it kind of is but well, that was the original name for the podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. when we did the pilot but... um, so we're going to talk about Earthbound um, ah. which is a game that I've genuinely I've never played um, but I have some friends who have played it and uh, and a friend of the show for both of us uh, a guy Brian Rose who uh, whose Twitter avatar for the longest time was Earthbound essentially mm. Uh, so uh, he is someone that knows this game uh, as well as anyone that I know that knows this game. So he's going to come on next week and, and have a little chat with you. About and it. I'm going to have a little chat with him. And uh, I look forward to listening to it and hopefully having a renewed uh, push towards playing it myself. I have it on the Wii U, and I I think very much that it feels like from what everyone's saying is that there would definitely be a substantial uh, attach rate if it were to come out on the Switch as well. It seems like the kind of game... Because i tell you what, right, the only reason I ever uh, completed Final Fantasy VII is because I played it on the Vita and was absolutely perfect to just play it for an hour at a time. Uh, and yeah, I think it'd be perfect for the Switch. Well, that pretty perfect on the 3DS as well. Yeah. Uh, so episode 62 is going to be Earthbound. Uh, that is going to do it for episode 61 of Link to the Cast. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Podcast Addict, most podcast platforms, just search for Link to the Cast, uh, either all one word or separately. You should be able to find us that way. Uh, subscribe to us there. Give us a rating, a review. It, it all helps. Spread the word, please. Um, you know, Tell a friend about it. There's a big, uh, I don't know if you've noticed it in podcasts you listen to, there's a big movement uh, on at the moment uh, for people to... Uh, kind of uh you know tell a friend share a podcast recommend another podcast to somebody else so uh you know um pay it forward and things like that i, I talked about s town and stuff last week so uh always turn people on to new podcasts and uh you know tell someone about us you know that always helps um the website is linked to the cast.eu that's uh where most of our content is kind of centralized uh where the show notes for this show go up and every other show like it um 
the best place to follow us though would be over on social media that's facebook.com forward slash link to the cast or at link to the cast on twitter um you can get in touch with us there we usually respond pretty quickly to uh, either a tweet a facebook uh, a facebook post or if you want to slide on into them dms we will uh, get back to you individually i'm at dave ryan iv and mark is at lithium project uh, we stream video games over at twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast and uh, do we now do we but really? We do, we do. And we archive them later on YouTube. Just search for Link to the Cast, either uh, all together as one word or separately, whichever way you choose to do so. Uh, we have a weekly video schedule that we at least attempt to stick to. Uh, Mark, how's that sticking to Mark on Mondays going at the moment? Look, it was WrestleMania weekend. Let's talk now. <laughs> now, I, I think I'm going to do uh, some of... Uh, I just keep wanting to call it fucking Drawn Together. I don't know why. Drawn to Death. Why do I want to call it Drawn Together? Maybe I just need to watch Drawn Together. Um, I think I'll do some Drawn to Death. I might not actually do it on um, next Monday. I might probably just do it tomorrow or something. and then Just, just put it up on Monday. Yeah, because uh, I, I want to spend yeah, a little bit of time. It's safe to say, like, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll get a notification that the, that the stream is going live. But the, these days are usually just when the archive gets posted to YouTube. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have, like... I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm not going to just... <laughs> Wednesdays is Retro Corner 64. <laughs> just, just freezing straight on there, buddy, before you... There's a legitimate uh, chance you might fall asleep before I sign off here, so I'm trying to power through. Crying. Uh, Retro Corner 64 is the series that we like to do here where myself and Mark sit down on a Wednesday and we are going chronologically through every single game that was released in English-speaking territories for the Nintendo 64. Uh, this week, just... What was it just went up? Wayne Gretzky's, Wayne Gretzky's 3D, 3D Hockey, yeah. uh, which was... That was something. <laughs> it was fast. <laughs> it was, yeah, it certainly was. It was interesting. Um, and we've got a next week, I believe, is Cruising USA. I think is the next one. That, that game is no good. Series. That game is no good. That game is. We're going to have to record that a second time because it was. It got absolutely fucked. Tell you what, I think we can easily shave off. Uh, oh, I'll say ten minutes of that. It was only like eight minutes long. That's fine. 10, yeah, that's fine with me. Um, Thursday. Um, that's when the podcast comes out that's the only thing that comes out that day it's an hour and a half to two hours uh, of our voices for your listening pleasure Friday we wrap up the week with Friday Plays my solo series where at the moment I am playing through Life is Strange the bleakest game on this God's green earth and uh, it just gets bleaker and bleaker you'll you'll see this week um, I, I was hoping I'd pop you sooner because I don't know if you realise what I've been doing with titling those I'm episodes I'm very much aware of it don't worry yeah good <laughs> I was wondering when I'd get a response out of you for oh that. no I was just you can check. There's a thing that's happening with the titling those episodes. I was check appreciating over on YouTube. it myself in my own little time. And, you know, Excellent. Yeah, yeah, kind of like I was for a long time when I was still doing the outro music to this show sure, where I was yeah. just trying to pop you every single week <laughs> and not saying anything about it. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for episode 61 of Link to the Cast. I've been Dave Ryan. That man who's half asleep on the couch over beside me is me and Mark Robinson. We shall see you all down the road. Goodbye. Goodbye. God bless.